Shortly after the turmoil of World War II and the reclamation of the Philippines by the Allies from the invading Japanese forces, Christian missionaries that had fled during the war came back to the islands to tend to the flocks that they had left behind. In their resolve to serve, they chose the most remote and hard-hit locations that they could find. One American missionary named Dennis McNamara was excited to learn that he had been called to serve in the impoverished town of Baungan, several miles from the major city of Cagayan de Oro on the Isle of Mindanao. Mindanao is a massive, mountainous island in the southern Philippines, stretching for nearly 300 miles from north to south. Home to vast mountain ranges and volcanoes, it is also home to Mount Apo, the tallest peak in the country. Dennis, our American missionary, grew up in western Pennsylvania, where he learned how to live off the land, was used to traversing mountains, and came from a good, hardy Pennsylvania Dutch family. Although he was rarely frightened by anything, nothing could have prepared him to face what he would encounter in Baungan all those long years ago. One of Dennis's duties was to help out in the funeral rites when a local passed away. It was during the funeral of an elderly grandmother that he heard some of her family murmuring about their fear for the body if it were to be buried on the hillside graveyard where the family had plots. There was something that had been disturbing in the graves, and parts of the bodies were found missing from those newly buried. The family were convinced that an Oswong was at work. And they feared the body of the grandmother would be its next victim. A bit confused and unfamiliar with the term Oswong, Dennis innocently asked the family why the police could not stop the grave robbers. With whispered voices, they corrected the young missionary that they were not talking about mere grave robbers. The Oswong was a demonic spirit who lived off the rotting bodies of the dead. It would feast on the newly buried in order to maintain its hold in the physical world. Later, after it had finished its gory meal, it would replace the body with sticks and leaves from the nearby forest. There would be literally nothing left of the corpse after it was consumed. There was no waste. The dead body would replenish the Oswong's physical form until its unholy hunger began to once again take over. It seems the local cemeteries had been plagued for years with the terror of at least one Oswong. Some were now completely abandoned for new burials. But when the families went to other cemeteries in hopes to avoid the same thing happening to their loved ones, after a while, even those graves were found to be disturbed as well. Upon further investigation, they found the familiar twisted foliage of sticks and leaves that the demonic spirit would leave behind after a meal. It had struck twice in the last month at the hillside cemetery in which the grandmother was supposed to be laid to rest. In fact, the creature was sighted late one evening, running into the thick underbrush, carrying off a gruesome morsel to sustain itself. To Dennis, this was all a bunch of superstitious nonsense. He had been in the church for years and had never seen anything supernatural. 
In truth, he even doubted the miraculous because he was raised in a church that believed miracles and supernatural events in a life of faith died along with the last apostle thousands of years ago. This was a different era, one of reasoned faith, not of superstitious beliefs and fairy tales. Although he did not believe in the Aswang, he knew that someone or something must be behind the grave robberies, and he felt it was his duty to break this bondage to superstition that held the indigenous people in fear. So he volunteered to camp out at the graveyard at night for a week to confront this demon. The family was, of course, in awe of the fearlessness of the young missionary. There had never been anyone who dared confront Naswang before. The Filipino pastors of the area volunteered to help out by prayer and fasting as the headstrong American confronted the monster in its lair. So the next evening, Dennis set up his camp and pitched his tent next to the grave of the old Filipino grandmother. He did not, however, come unprepared. He brought along a military-issue pistol that his brother had given to him as a gift after he had returned from the European theater just the year before. Spending much of the night awake, peering into the still of darkness, searching the moonlit graves for any sign of intrusion. The first two nights went by without incident. But at around 2 a.m. on the third night, Dennis was awoken from a light sleep by a strange noise. It was a slobbering, wet sound, as if someone without teeth were trying to eat thickly sauced spare ribs. Removing the pistol from under his pillow, Dennis pulled the hammer back and pushed open the tent flap. All he saw at first was nothing but darkness and the sickening slobber in the night stopped. Then he heard the rustling of the underbrush and saw something dash into a thicket. Although its full shape was hidden in the shadows, he saw a small hunched back creature that resembled a twisted naked body of an old man. Except the color was different. It was not the color of any flesh he had ever seen. It was light and almost translucent. As the creature bent to duck under the thicket, it looked back at the young missionary. And that's when Dennis saw a dull green glow reflecting in the eyes of this creature, as if from some unseen fire. And hanging from the gruesome creature's mouth was a half-eaten human arm. Filled with a surge of adrenaline, Dennis quickly raised his hand and fired the pistol from where he stood, straight into the creature's face. The creature's head reeled back from the impact, and the arm flew out of its mouth. Then, it was gone. Dennis stood there by the tent, his body shaking, his hand firmly gripping the pistol, his heart pounding out of his chest. A few of the praying pastors heard the commotion and ran up the hillside from their post at the gravedigger's house at the bottom of the hill after hearing the shot ring through the still night air. As they crested the top of the hill, all they found was the disturbed grave and a shaking American man holding a freshly fired pistol, still aiming it at the dismembered arm 
of the recently buried Filipino grandmother. It took Dennis a few days to truly regain his composure, and he was absolutely sure of what he saw. He had just taken a step into a larger universe. He had no idea what to do about the Aswang, but he knew that whatever was to be done about the creature, he was ill-prepared to deal with this otherworldly abomination. So eventually, they called in a Catholic priest from a neighboring province who knew how to deal with demonic forces. He cleansed and reclaimed the graveyards, and the ghoulish activities soon ceased. Things eventually returned back to normal, and after the decades rolled on, few locals remembered the incidents that happened in the graveyards of Bangan. But Dennis McNamara would never forget what he encountered that dark evening. From that time on, he could never again dismiss the supernatural as mere folk tales and superstitions, and his world would never again be the same. Deep in the darkest heart of the Philippines sits a terrifying creature. As night falls, it begins the hunt for human blood, stalking its prey in the shadows of your town, neighborhood, and even your home. Its tongue drips in hunger, emitting a tick-tick ticking noise from the vast darkness. This is the Aswang, the most feared creature in Philippine folklore. Welcome back, campers, to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and trying to raise our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Bentz. What's up, brother? You know, just hanging in there. Well, first, I wanted to say uh, welcome to any new listeners that we have. And, of course, welcome back to our diehard listeners Mm -hmm. who come every week. You know, this week, in another installment of our Camp Rad Strangeness, where we have been talking about sort of the typical things that you think about in terms of, like, weird and strange things that occur in and around a campsite or just in the summer, right? We just wanted to cover a lot of just interesting topics this summer. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, man, I am super pumped that we went back around the world to kind of my old neck of the woods. Yeah. Man. Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. you know, the the Philippines aren't too far from where I kind of grew up in Indonesia. And learning about this mythical creature was absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, and truly... Sorry about that. Go, Go ahead. ahead. <clears throat> All you. Take it away! <laughs> no, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And also a little... I don't even know how, know how to say this. Like a little sort of vague and mm. and sort of multifaceted, I guess. Is maybe a good way to yeah. put it. Well, no, I mean it's 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 true, man. Because like you know, this story in particular kind of deals with only a single 
somewhat small aspect yeah. of the Oswald, mm-hmm. you know, as as we kind of came to discover. And I think, I mean, you'd, you'd heard of the Oswald before, right? Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't really, although, and we'll talk about this in just a second, in terms of it sort of being familiar once I started digging through some of the, I guess, the commonalities between, well, first let's just say this. Let's explain it. Like, yeah, yeah. Let, let's Let's get to why we think it's sort of a vague sort of blanket. Mm-hmm. So I had originally heard of the term. I think I'd heard it on, I don't know, some some podcast years and years and years ago. And I had always heard of it called like Aswang, which mm-hmm. is probably just an Americanized, you know. Mispronunciation. Mispronunciation, yeah. So I think it is Aswang. But when I had heard about it, I just at least in my memory, I feel like I had just always sort of thought that it was like a werewolf type thing. Um, but really, when you kind of start looking into it, you know, the word Oswong is sort of this, it's almost like an umbrella term for a multitude of, you know, cryptids or entities. I mean, it, it, it could be a demon. It could be like your sort of typical, well, somewhat typical idea of a vampire sort of a ghoul or type or spirit type thing uh, to a witch to a werewolf slash were dog technically mm-hmm. um, and even this sort of um, almost like a chupacabra like uh, viscera sucker I think they refer to it but mm-hmm. yeah it really is like this <laughs> you know blanket term for a multitude of like possible cryptids yeah it's like an all-encompassing mm-hmm. oh, what happened there? Must have been one of those off right. songs, you know. Yeah, and and that's kind of what we found out. Kind of digging a little deeper, there's all these different. Just hit the mic. All these different explanations, especially about how it looks physically, right? And you know all that. I, one thing that I did find was the 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 name Aswang comes from a originated from a Filipino word called Asawang, mm-hmm. which means dog, right? Because apparently a lot of the Appearances are, I guess, dog-like. But I say that, and I, f- I also found a bunch of other stuff that kind of contradicts that a little bit, you know? Right. It's just every single one of these sort of entities that potentially represent this blanket term, I would say, are equally terrifying. Yeah, yeah. What's odd, though, too, is I, I kind of feel like... Um, I don't know. In in doing the research, you know, we are kind of de- and not to not to like throw shade at uh, these other sort of civilizations and and societies, but I I do think a lot of these a lot of these accounts are derived from you know your very sort of like you know fairly poor, fairly uh, sort of reclusive Ooh. like little villages out in the middle of nowhere with not a ton of, uh, you know, grasp on the modern age, if you will. I mean, especially when, well, I mean, the first sort of written account mm -hmm. uh, came, I think, in the 16th century when the Spanish came to the Philippines and started hearing about these creatures from the townspeople. And, And, you know, that was kind of alluded to in some of the things that I read and I actually kind of looked up the... The letters from, um, I guess, Juan de Placentia. Oh, cool. 
to the king of Spain, kind of talking about everything from their culture to, you know, marital rights and all, all of this stuff. But they also talked about their relation of, of worship, their gods, mm-hmm. burials, superstitions, all this kind of stuff. And man, it gets, it gets kind of intense and, and, you know, kind of, uh, pretty scary, you know? Yeah. Well, even like, it didn't like the, originally like the Aswang, like it came from like this good God who would hide fire in like a coconut shell. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. there's all this kind of like, you know, very sort of like primitive sort of account of like where this Mm -hmm. being comes from. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it even, even back then, and oddly enough, boy, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about uh, placentas, men- mm-hmm. menstrual blood, mm-hmm. uh, like fetuses being, you know, taken, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's pretty gruesome, really. And I mean, the way it's often referred to is being a shape shifting mm-hmm. creature, and when you think about it through that lens, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of think, well, if it has the ability to kind of <clears throat> shape shift, then it can kind of encompass a lot of these kind of creatures mm-hmm. it, it's important to note kind of like what you were what you were saying a lot of these accounts and stuff were coming from these more rural very very small sort of farming villages yeah. away from the big cities kind of like you know that story that you that listener that you just heard about this american missionary that went there after world war ii mm-hmm. this village if you if you look it up today is extremely small. It's very remote. It's at the base of these mountains on this like plateau. There's even to this day almost nothing there. There's, you know, a small sort of primitive, um, I found this sort of like, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's like a little, if you can imagine just like this little wooden hut Mm -hmm. with like a handmade sign on top that just, you know, says, you know, uh, worship center or something, you know, and it's like a little Christian outpost Mm -hmm. in the middle of this village. And so a lot of these stories and stuff were passed on as oral traditions from family to family. And it's interesting that throughout that region, but then on the other islands of the Philippines, Mm -hmm. there were these sort of tales and superstitions and accounts of running into this creature. Mm Mm-hmm you know, even back then. And, um, you know, a lot of it had to do with, they were superstitious as heck back then, yeah. this, this letter. Well, e- even to, now, the the ones that are super sort of remote in the jungles and the, mm. you know, they're, they're still kind of carrying that same tradition. Yeah. The, one of the, one of the things that the guy said in, in this letter to the, to the king, kind of documenting his experience with these folks, uh, he said, for example, if they left their house mm-hmm. and on the way, cross paths with like a snake or a rat or even a bird singing in a tree Mm -hmm. or if they even pass somebody who sneezed as they were walking by them they immediately turned around and went back home (laughs) (laughs) well and then and then also what was the thing like they were also told that like if you saw anyone wearing white to immediately tear out their liver and eat it yep and in these letters they, the guy, this was a different guy that experienced that part, mm-hmm. but he, yeah. he makes a note in this letter that says basically, and this is true because one of our guys basically had white on 
and they ripped out his guts, killed him. Jeez. And so you got to think too. I mean, even you know, you you. This always makes me think of that. I think it was in Borneo or something, hmm. kind of close to there in Indonesia, where that helicopter pilot flies over this island and you see these tribesmen. Some are like painted head to toe like blue. Oh yeah. Some of them are like red. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're derived they're getting these colors from some, you know, they're covered in mud, but like it's dyed in a in a color. And they're like shouting at the sky, you know, raising their spears and stuff. And that was like, you know, I don't know, ten years ago. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like sixteen hundred or sixteenth century, you know, all of a sudden these these islanders and these remote villages that have never seen Spaniards right. are all of a sudden like, huh, what is that? It must be a demon, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing kind of happened over here in the United States, you know? Yeah, which which you, you talking about, uh, just a little aside, uh, that's a fascinating thing to me. You know, you're talking about like the, uh, like the natives, uh, you know, seeing like a plane overhead and just like freaking out, like is is this a god? Is this uh, there's a there's a concept? This uh, it's not a theory, but it's this. It, it's called cargo cults, which is like a fascinating thing. Where I think this took place even even as like close as like the 90s, possibly late 80s. But there was a apparently, you know, in the in like the Amazon or somewhere super super remote, there was a downed fighter pilot. And he he crashed. Missionaries or explorers, or whatever, ended up coming across this tribe 40, 50 years later. And they would see like that these these you know, the natives would have like these symbols that they had, you know, painted on themselves, they had carved in trees, and they're basically like US military symbols. And so mm-hmm. to them, when this plane crashed, this was a gift from God and it had mm-hmm. like you know, the cargo within it, like the, you know, maybe it had food or, you know, supplies and stuff. So this was like manna from heaven. And so to them, like, oh, well, this is our God. So we need to, we need to represent our God with, you know, they probably built a temple and I think they, you know, elevated, you know, they gave this, the fighter pilot, like a king's burial kind of thing. And it's just this such an interesting concept of like, these people who are out in the middle of nowhere, they have no connection to any other sort of civilization. All of a sudden, a modern, uh, you know, plane crashes, and that's just, that's from their God. And so from then on, instead of crosses or a star of David or these sort of uh, religious iconography, it becomes like the paratrooper symbol or like the Air Force symbol. It's like, it's just such a fascinating kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that injection of, culture Mm -hmm. or symbolism that they had never witnessed before and all of a sudden something's falling literally from the sky yeah you know and to them you know i mean they obviously they don't ever see planes they're so remote you know so to those early sort of cultures you know the sky basically represented god that's where he lives i kind of want to break down a little bit real quick some of the interesting aspects of this story that i found about this american missionary and kind of his experience I think really it was interesting to me, of course, you know, it wasn't unexpected. It was just interesting, you know, he kind of goes into this scenario 100% just kind of being like, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. It's it's nothing crazy and I'll be able to, you know, kind of dispel these people's sort of superstitions right. and, you know, about it being something demonic. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, I mean, it's again, one of those things that the second that I read this story, I couldn't help but sort of imagining myself, you know, dark late at night in the, in the tropics, you know, lots of loud insects, maybe it's raining if it's in the rainy season. And you keep, you know, you hear these rumors of this pretty terrifying thing, but you being sort of like a brave young man, you're mm-hmm. like, ah, whatever, I, I got my, I've got my gun here and I'm not worried about it. And then sort of witnessing this creature with a dang arm in its mouth. Yeah. Staring back at you. I mean, with glowing green eyes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just terrifying, mm-hmm. you know? And like we kind of said earlier, there there really are just so many different varying sort of physical descriptions of what this creature, what form this creature takes. Mm-hmm. A lot of time they start as a woman. Yeah. Oh, it's sexist. No. Um, you know, they start out as a woman during the day and they're known to just be able to kind of blend in just almost seamlessly mm-hmm. with the people around them or just like, quote unquote, their victims. And one thing that I, I don't know if you found this in your research, man, but I read about how if you see your reflection in someone else's eyes and Mm. it's upside down. Whoa, I didn't see this. Then you are face to face with an Oswald. Wow. Wild, right? That's cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Another thing is, you know, okay, so you kind of mentioned this. Sometimes it can take the form of like a pig, a dog, mm-hmm. a cat, yeah. a bird, um, you know, or more like what this guy saw, more of like a like a hunchback, almost uh, chupacabra type creature, yeah. old man looking creature. Which which those are actually sort of two separate. So basically, the, one of the things that I read, which was kind of really pretty interesting, and again, I'm I'm typically like the true believer, you know, so. But I do have to say that this sort of this multi multifaceted sort of entity kind of like doesn't quite lend credibility to me. Like it, it sort of feels like um, basically I'd, I've read where somebody sort of breaks down like, okay, well, if you're in, you know, Romania, you know, that's where your werewolf's going to come from. But like, mm-hmm. you know, here, what are the normal animals? You're going to have wild dogs. You're going to have pigs. You're going to have, mm-hmm. you know, so those become like the were animals, which yeah, to me, I, I don't know. I, I think that's, to me, I, like, that just seems like sort of a write-off of like, oh, it was the Aswang. But like, you're, you have like your vampire, which is like, like what he said, you know, you start off as, as a beautiful woman that sucks blood through a sharp pointed tongue, mm-hmm. which by the way... Uh, Guillermo del Toro's book. Yes, dude. I'm so glad you wrote that. And show the strain. Apparently, that's a lot of where you know the look for the vampires are inspired by. Let me just interject real quick. Get in there. Get in there. Because I remember when the strain came out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now keep in mind, like I said, the Oswang is relatively new to me. Mm -hmm. So when the strain came out, I thought, yes, man, I love both of us. Yeah, love Guillermo del Toro. Oh, he's amazing. His 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 mind works just as in this incredible way, mm-hmm. very unique in, in my opinion, and like with his aesthetics and design mm-hmm. and everything. So I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. It's a vampire show. I mean, whatever. And then I see this thing coming out of these the mouth of these people. It's just like long, I don't know, man, like almost like a, um, what's the right word for it? Like, like a... Uh, they say, like they a pro- call it like a proboscis-like tongue. 
Yeah, just like this huge long thing. That, and I remember thinking like, what in the heck? Yeah. And I just kind of lost interest. Mm-hmm. And that's my fault and my bad for not kind of researching it further and kind of thinking like, where did he get this from? Yeah. So this time around, I did it justice. Mm-hmm. And what I found was in this interview that he did in like 2014 or something, Ooh, he talked about this. Yeah, he talked about how he really kind of pulled from two different creatures. And, and, and it's kind of like a composite of these two mm-hmm. creatures. One is the Aswang. Mm-hmm. And of course, it attacks its victims by projecting its long tongue. Yep. And then the other is the Strigoi. What is that? Of Eastern European fame. And so the Strigoi is kind of like a vampire-ish creature that has a stinger under its tongue. And so he kind of combined those two creatures. And so because, again, just like you, I'm not real familiar with the Strigoi, that means we're going to have to have an episode yeah, on that it sounds so cool. that we have to do the research because it sounds really awesome. Is it also like a vampire type? Thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a quick side note. Apparently, part of the reason why he decided to go in that direction was as a kid, he was far more like obsessed with sort of fringe vampire lore Mm, yeah because what he found was growing up he was much less interested in sort of like the you know romantic uh count handsome vampire lures victims sort of the vlad the impaler yeah like he instead was i believe is his name he was and you know this is interesting and if you've ever seen any of his movies it makes complete sense he was always more fascinated with like the biology behind things mm-hmm. and the fringe science behind it all. Like he wanted to know about the vampire's metabolism and how he thinks that, and, and based on stuff that he read, but then in his own like theories and stuff growing up, that their metabolism runs so fast and so hot that it causes like their hair follicles to fall out. And like, so that's why they're, oh, cool. You know, you know, like they go through this transformation. He was always like really obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. And I just found that to be fascinating. And I kind of like shame on me for <laughs> watching that show and being like, eh, it's pretty good, but come on, man. What's up with those tones? Yeah, bro? yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it is it is a big departure from like your, you know, if you're just like your sort of old school vampire fan, it's like, mm-hmm. these aren't vampires. I, I do love the idea that like, you know, throughout history, I mean, it's funny because it's like, you know, now it's like, oh, that's sexist. But it's like, women had so much sort of power that, you know, that was basically the bait for these, I mean, I guess because men are so dumb, but like they they would place these, you know, they would appear as like beautiful women and, you know, they would just be kind of hanging out and they it said that they would always have long hair and uh, light skin. So it is kind of like your typical sort of, you know, bride of Dracula kind of, Mm, kind of mm-hmm, look true yeah the next one is the the vis, viscera sucker which is like mm. to me scariest right it's I mean, probably the scariest yeah and, and it came across originally like a chupacabra because it's like you know it's it like sucks nutrients or life out of its victims uh, kind of like the goat sucker you know chupacabra which eventually will do but it it goes much farther it has a diet of internal organs or phlegmatic mm. discharge of the sick, which is pretty gross. Yeah, definitely gross. Consumes food through the tongue, but the tongue isn't like sharp. It's not a sharp pointed tongue like the the vampire one. By day, it's again a long haired 
light-skinned woman, but at night, which this is fascinating, it grows wings and leaves behind its body from the waist down. Yeah, man. Whenever I heard that. Yeah, that's weird, man. That is, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's called weird. the Mananangal. The, mm. I'm definitely butchering that. And again, loves to feed on fetuses uh, within pregnant women, mm -hmm. lives in the deep forest, which this is fascinating, but unlike the vampire that kind of just like shows up, this this thing like infiltrates communities through marriage, man. which is like, you know, pretty scary. Yeah, man. I mean, think about it. It's like slowly but surely it kind of, infiltrates yeah, it's like, this village. Like body snatchers kind of vibe. Yeah, man. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if I haven't said it already, my sincerest apologies to all of our Filipino <laughs> listeners and also my Filipino friends. Mm -hmm. um, like, if you're listening, uh, Brian DeMaricat, mm. um, I apologize, man. I should have reached out to you and, and at least gotten some, you know, heads up on how to pronounce these city names and certainly these creature names oh because we're so, um, we're making a we're making like a, a just a lot of fun just mispronouncing all these names yeah i, I uh wolf boy i'm i'm certain mm -hmm. even when i thought i got it correct i didn't yeah so one thing that i read about the fact that they are these they take on these animal forms is sort of one of their methods to kind of blend in, sneak in, and get close to their prey. Mm -hmm. Which kind of makes it a little bit better than just like, you know, what you were talking about earlier where it's kind of like, well, I mean, gosh, pick one, you know? Well, and, uh, and this is more... And of, to me, that that's that's the thing. That, okay. <laughs> sorry. No, 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 just real quick. To me, that that is the thing that kind of like, it doesn't really give credibility to all these things. It's like this Manan... Gananal or whatever thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, Mananangal. Jesus, we could probably just stop trying. Uh, yeah, just we just need to replace that with like the little Google Translate. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's such a um, sort of well constructed. You know, the visuals are very like concrete. It's like it's this thing and it does this and its habits are this. It, to me, it's like. Okay, why does that have to be combined with like a were pig or a were dog? It's like, well, so they don't get discovered, right? So, like, yeah, imagine right. that's true. You know, imagine they they they're onto you. Mm -hmm. Well, if you just transform into a, which by the way, yeah, but you can already I, transform I, I, into I, a woman, a beautiful woman. Yeah, no, but yeah, but then they recognize you. All of a sudden, there's a new woman oh, in the village. Yeah. You see what I'm that's saying? True. Now, I will tell you that for some reason, the idea of somebody being cursed to become like a were pig, yeah. man, that sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although, well, does it though? I mean, you just lay around and like do playing mud all day, do and nothing. Just get food brought to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe were pigs where it's at. Yeah, I agree. New D and D character, by the way. Next campaign, I'm going to be a <laughs> were pig. I mean, I am a druid, so I can get like an animal. I just have a were pig. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. One thing I have to, I have to talk about. And something that just scares me to no end is when it's talking about, you know, ways to kind of determine whether or not you're in trouble and an Aswang is after you, mm -hmm. is when you hear this tick, tick, ticking noise Ooh. from the darkness. Oh my gosh, dude, this is so scary. Man, because cool. wait, listen how th this is just insane. So it starts out louder, but it becomes softer as it gets closer to you. 
And that's its sort of method or way of kind of tricking the person into thinking that it's moving away from you and that you're getting safer. Is that not terrifying? Yeah. I mean, that's genius. Yeah. Um, w- one thing that I found that I, f- I thought was kind of fascinating is, so apparently there's like accounts or, or one of the things of like, you know, when this like uh, the, the vampire one and the viscera sucker one, a lot of times like if they're sort of feeding on you, they say like you'll become one of these things. And so one of the fascinating thing is this prominence of this X-linked dystonia Parkinson's disease that's in the area. So apparently like it's only it's only like entirely only carried by males. It's also known as dystonia of Panay due to the fact that most current cases today can be traced back to the common ancestor in Panay. 93 of the most 93% of the current cases today are on Panay Island. And 63% of those are located in Capice, which is exactly where this animal is from, or this beast or cryptid is from. And, you know, it's kind of like a Parkinson's thing, but, like, what's crazy is your whole body sort of gets, like, contorted and, like, you know, your hands kind of, like, it's pretty sad, but, like, your hands kind of, like, you know, close, almost, like, arthritic kind of thing that sort of close up. Your tongue, like protrudes out of your mouth and it, it's pretty sad pretty terrible but it is pretty wild if you look at it as like okay so 93 percent of the cases of this disease are on the island and then 63 percent 63 percent of that is specifically in this one little area where this cryptid is found i mean pretty cool man yeah especially since one of the things that it is said to be able to do is you know kind of be a doppelganger of someone in the town it's another mm. way that it kind of mm-hmm. blends back in but it says that if the doppelganger replaces a living person then it returns to the person's home gets sick and then dies mm. so you know it's just interesting to think about that in, in that sort of context i mean which which that i mean there you can go down the road of like you know, Irish and Scottish, like the uh, like the changeling. Mm-hmm. You know how these sort of fairies or goblins would would basically take a child and leave like a changeling in its place. Yeah, uh, something like the fae mm-hmm. uh, does something like that as well, right? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, and I mean it's it's funny that you go straight into that. I was just thinking about that too. It happened in the the story that we just heard, but. Also, one of the kind of telltale signs and something that it would do is replace the body of the victim with detritus and tree uh, trunks and mm-hmm. um, plant materials and stuff. And they are said to have like a, a magical ability for making that seem like the person. It's a glam- like Almost a like an illusion. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about mm-hmm. that. And. I don't know. I just I, there's so many things that I imagined whenever I was reading about this. Like, I mean, can you imagine like going up somewhere and just like being like, "Hey, hey, hey," and then you like that that illusion dissolves, and you're just like shaking a tree and a pile of leaves and stuff, and it's not really a person. Yeah, that's crazy. Terrifying. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's kind of the it, it's kind of the equivalent of like you were like you you said like the fae. You know, apparently if you're abducted by the fae, you know, like fairy abductions were, you know, a really big thing back in the day, and you know, in the UK and around that area. And, you know, that was the thing. You were told 
uh, never to partake in like the food or the drink of the fae because it would keep you in fairyland or whatever whatever you wanted to call it. And the whole deal was like, you know, it would appear to be like this, you know, amazing food, this buffet. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of like uh, the movie Hook a little bit, you know. They were like imagining these foods, but apparently like with the Fae, it's like they were able to like, you know, use glamour. And so, you know, the food would just be like sticks and like acorns and moss and stuff. They could glamour it and, you know, it would appear to be, you know, amazing buffet of all your favorite foods. So it's cool that like, it's cool to see those kind of like tie-ins, you know, from pretty far on the map away from each other. Yeah, I mean, what's always interesting to me we've talked about it a couple of times in, on the show, especially when we're talking about cryptid creatures and even urban legends and stuff like that, is how a lot of these cryptid creatures or similarities or something, <clears throat> or similar ones, I should say, mm-hmm. are found completely all around the world. Oh, yeah. You know, and so now we're talking about like a crazy, almost vampire-like creature that shares a lot of similarities with the vampires that the mythology and stuff behind those that we know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. You know, we have in these, um, one of the Enchanted World books from that series that I got from uh, from our favorite sort of wizards here in Gainesville. Oh, yeah. It's called Night Creatures. Hmm. And I'll put a picture of the the cover on there. It's amazing. In fact, it's it's almost like a an Oswong almost, really. But one of the things that I read in it said, Stories of bloodthirsty spirits have haunted the earth since the very beginning of time. Mm. Not vampires, but their predecessors in evil. Ancient Babylon, for instance, was plagued by the Iki... Oh, gosh. Here, I'm going to butcher this. Here it comes. Ikimu? Mm. It's E-K-I-M-M-U, which is a dead soul that coveted human flesh and blood. And then among the ancient Jews of the world, the myriad demon offspring of Lilith the Nightmare Queen mm-hmm. sucked the veins of mortal children. And then, of course, uh, Black Annis in England. Yeah. You know, you've got Count Dracula in Romania. Mm-hmm. You've got um, the Stanoi or whatever it's called that I mentioned earlier uh, in Eastern Europe. And now we've got the Oswang mm-hmm. in the Philippines. Yeah. And the probability of just like one or two or ten <laughs> people sort of spreading these myths around the world back then is pretty low, right? Well, another thing that's even cooler is like the first one that you mentioned, which is like a a pre-Babylonian type deity. You know, the urban legend, I don't even know if it'd be urban legend because it's such an old sort of concept. But the idea is that that thing even survived, you know, pre- The Great Flood. Yeah, pre- you know, post flood, it would sit on the the boat at night, and then in the day it would fly off, so nobody would ever find it. But basically, you it was carried into the new world by like kind of hiding on the on the you know the bow of the boat at night or the ark rather, which is really cool to think about. Yeah, no kidding. Because you think about like you know within the uh, sort of story of Noah's Ark or something. Mm-hmm. 
You're really only thinking about the good animals, right? Yeah. But boy, I wonder if some of the evil ones were there too. Yeah, it's like straight up H.P. Lovecraft. For So I kind of went down a, a rabbit trail like I typically do and ran across a few that I would like to talk about. Other sort of Filipino cryptids that are pretty fascinating. Hold on, before you okay. do that. After these messages, we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tyler, man, you know, there's one thing that got me through this COVID craziness. I got in the mail a couple of items from our merch store. Mm. And I got to tell you, man, this crew neck sweater is maybe one of the most comfortable things I've ever worn. The inside of it is like, I don't know how to explain it, man. I, I'm, I'm never going to take this thing off. Wait a minute. We have sweaters? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Sweatshirts. This sweatshirt is the most comfortable thing I have ever put on. I also got this like really cool trucker cap that says B-Rad on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if people haven't already they need to go check out our merchandise store they can find it at shop.spreadshirt.com slash that would be rad so again that's shop.spreadshirt.com that would be rad america's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions it was very Two hundred years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world. I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. You are listening to that would be rad. Really, before you talk about that, I want to talk about ways to uh, to ward off this thing, and then we'll go okay. Well, the other ones now. Since we've kind of talked about, you know, briefly sort of scratched the surface on all the different forms this scary thing can take and how easily it blends into people that you may know or just, you know, within your city, it can infiltrate, in other words. Mm-hmm. And and other than it's like... It's like a spy. Scary, yeah. Other than it's scary tick, 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 sound. Mm-hmm. Other than that, what are the ways to defeat this thing? Well, the good news is we've got a couple. First... Also, I think we did forget to really expound on like the ghoul or the ghost one, which is basically like a humanoid. I think it's like sort of half spirit, half flesh. It it consumes human corpses. It's sort of like a you know carrion eater type. You know, lives off of the dead, 
sharp nails, sharp teeth, and yeah, they eat corpses. Apparently they smell rank and pungent because of their diet, uh, and they gather in trees near cemeteries. Boy. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Um, yeah, so there are a couple quick ways to protect yourself from an Oswong. Okay. If, you know, you, um, you know, there's a lot of beautiful places out in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. A lot. Oh, yeah. Um, just absolutely gorgeous. So if you find yourself there vacationing, or perhaps maybe we're not immune to the Oswong here in, in uh, the United States. Mm. I mean, perhaps they're amongst us right now. I mean, do you think we'd see any at uh, Camp Rad Strangeness this year? Well, if you do, campers, here's the way to defeat them. Number one, now you're going to have to get this at the beach or maybe sneak into an aquarium and, and get it done here. But if you have a stingray's tail Ooh, laying around the easy house. Easy to find. Real, you know, relatively easy. Yeah. You might be able to find one on eBay. Mm-hmm. They call it a buntat pagi. Okay. And basically, a lot of folks will have this in their, a lot of Filipino homes will have this uh, in their house to dispel the presence. But also... I read that they also make them into, they kind of fashion it into a whip that apparently will help to defeat the creature as well. Mm. Now, a couple of sort of normal ones that we have heard of before, especially about warding off vampires, apparently garlic is something that they so will bizarre, avoid. Uh, salt, which also can ward off demons. And that's a pretty common. And so it's almost like a, right, it's almost like a combo. And then ginger. Mm. And the good news there is, if you think about cuisine in the region, all of those ingredients should be readily available yeah. around the house. What is uh, it with garlic, home. though? You know, I don't know, man. And I don't know. And how did, how did... I kind of feel like somebody was like, man, I'm not a big fan of garlic because it's so aromatic. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, yeah, man, I mean, you can use it to ward off... Hey, come over here. You can use this. It's a couple of knockaround guys with a garlic. Yeah, man. You just you hang it up at the window. Mm-hmm. You could use it for the gravy. You could use it for the sauce. <laughs> um, By the way, I just found a stingray tail with barbs on eBay. Buy it now for $22. So. You understand? Exactly. Boom. You're safe, guys. You're safe. And all, for all the campers um, that are religious... Religious artifacts also work, such as holy water, mm. crucifixes, um, and that kind of thing. Which, okay. I mean, the Frog Brothers already told us that. That is absolutely true. And if and if you watch the show, okay, what is it called? Fear Street. No, with, uh, which dude? Have you seen this? No, I, I knew you were going to oh, ask Oh, my gosh. I haven't had time. Man. I just got back. Like I understand. Yeah. You got to watch it today. Dude. Yeah, I will. Wait until you see how they incorporate the 1666 thing, dude. Wow. Ooh. Does it show? It's amazing. Oh, I guess oh, yeah. it has to at the end, doesn't it? Yep. Oh, gosh, dude. It's going to be amazing. Wow, okay, right. good. So those are the main ways to get rid of them, keep them away from your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's good news. I love Italian food. I love Asian yeah. food. Pump me up full of garlic, salt, and ginger. I'm good to go. I don't have any stingray tails. Yeah. I will have them on eBay. Yeah. So let's move on to, uh, you know, in my research for this, I kind of went down a rabbit trail and kind of became obsessed with some other cryptids around the area, and I'd love to tell you about them. Okay. <laughs> I assume that you would just have after these messages. So, you know, there's, you know, apparently there's like hundreds, but I just found some of... So buckle up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to list... All this is part one of 12. No wonder they just say, ah, 
It's, it was an awesome one. <laughs> it's kind of like when we say, hey, when someone asks us, hey, where are you from in Georgia? And we say Atlanta because we just don't want to be like, yeah, well, exactly. take I-85 north for about an hour and a half. Yeah, pretty much all of these cryptids that I'm going to run through are also the Oswong. So Get your pencils ready. <laughs> or just write Oswong. Number, you're going to want to number your page mm-hmm. 1 through 100. We'll wait. Uh, so there is the Alan, which is from the Tinguan area. It is a small, deformed half-human, half-avian bird-like creatures with backwards-pointing fingers uh, that hangs upside down from branches, which sounds a little like a sloth. Hold on real quick. Or a bat. One thing we didn't mention, and you reminded me of it when you said backwards. <clears throat> oh, I know you're Did going you, with this, yeah. Yeah, some of these Oswong have also been said to like have sort of like mm-hmm. these long legs, and then they walk backwards, which reminds me of some sort of like, what is the, these... Crazy sort of scary movies mm-hmm. in the vein of like The Ring and like that sort of like Asian influence yep. of these like horror movies, whether it's Japanese, Korean, or whatever. And if you've never dove into that genre of horror, oh yeah, be careful because it's weird and off-putting. But some of it is just absolutely brilliant. Well, sorry I, to interrupt. No, 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 Go you're ahead. fine. I'm, I'm actually number ninety-nine. <laughs> no, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things in in sort of you know going down this trail with all these things is it's pretty reminiscent of uh, the Japanese yokai, which is sort of a mm. I've heard Westerners kind of you know use the term yokai as like demons, but they're not demons in the sort of religious sense of demons. One thing though that does have to do with that is you know you talking about there being like certain things that were like sort of backwards. You know that is kind of a trait of like the jinn or demonic type sort of shapeshifters or whatever. There's always even with like the fae actually. Um, there's always sort of it, it's the idea that basically they're able to like shapeshift, but there's always like something that's like not quite right. It's like they they can shapeshift into a human but you know 95 percent. but they're gonna have like backwards feet or backwards hands or Mm. you know a lot of like the sort of backwards leg you know like pan like with the goat legs and stuff um a lot of that is even tied you know sort of goes kind of hand in hand so that's that's really interesting but like the yokai which there are some super super bizarre stuff it's like you get into like city demons that are that are like hide in toilets to like the Kappa, which is also found in like Mario, which is this sort of like you know turtle turtle beaked like turtle turtle. Um, <laughs> I, either you're gonna do it or I was. No, but <laughs> oh man, I think I said that. Am I not I'd like twenty turtle times. enough for the turtle club? <laughs> Yeah, when we were playing D anD D last, because our yeah. our buddy we all do at different points. Too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's so many weird, weird sort of yokai, and like I think we definitely need to do an episode because it mm-hmm. is fascinating. And they're like, they are so bizarre and so varied and um, really interesting. Well, it's interesting too. This this Enchanted World Night Creatures book has so many stories from that region. Oh, yeah. In fact, like I, I would say, from like the Philippines or like Japan. Well, just Japan and and uh, you know just Southeast Asia in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. You know the 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 one variation of the Oswong with like the um, you know at night it sprouts wings and basically mm-hmm. its you know entrails hang out from like the waist down. It's like you know leaves its body from the waist down 
you know, as it flies around. You know, it's that weird kind of like... I'll go ahead and say it. Over the top. It is over the top. And, <laughs> I mean, man. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. And But but again, that, that really ties into, you know, uh, like Japanese and Chinese. This sort of Asian, like... I feel like for for us Westerners, it's very well not us because I know that we have a lot of international listeners. Thank you, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, Americans in general, like, yeah. our cryptids are very you know they range in sizes and stuff. But a lot of them are you know if they are land dwellers, they're very humanoid, two arms, two mm-hmm. legs. It, it's kind of like very straightforward. But boy, the Asians have wild, so, wild stuff, and some really it's just terrifying. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So, so this Elan creature, half human, half bird, backwards hands. Here we go again. They procreate by collecting menstrual blood, aborted fetuses, and afterbirth from humans, which they form into Elan children. Pretty weird. I knew that we couldn't get away from it, which yet again just lends credibility to the concept of Sasquatch. There the, there's the Amam, Amamongo uh, which is from the Western Visayas area. It's hairy. It's a wild man-sized ape with long nails known to terrorize solitary villages. The Kularyut, the Kularyut from Pampanga. Uh, it's a, an elusive creature with big eyes, white beard, black fur, pretty harmless, lives in bam- bamboo groves, and watches household members while they sleep. Yeah. Don't love that. Well, Nope. Nope. Especially in those areas because you're probably going to be sleeping without an actual window. It's just going to be just wide open. So you're going to have these... Boy, this goes right back to, I've said it a million times, scariest thing I can imagine. And the reason why I close my blinds is I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and see some white bearded dude in the Mm -hmm. bamboo thicket with huge eyes. Looking straight. Oh my gosh, man. Now he's harmless enough, I guess. (laughs) But boy, can I just... Sleep in peace here. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know we're on number 95, uh, <laughs> just out of curiosity. Are we going through all 100? Uh, it's just 1 through 50. It's pretty short. Good <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. So, next is... I mean, all this tells me is that there, there's a ton of stuff that we need to dive into around the world. Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally hundreds of these these creatures just in Filipino folklore. These are just the kind of like notable ones that I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these. There's the Lampong, which is from the Longot area. It's a one-eyed. It appears as a one-eyed white deer uh, that's only two feet tall, but its true form is a little dwarf-like creature, sort of like a duende a little bit, that has shining eyes, a beard, and wears a two-peaked pointed black hat. And it's pretty cool. It's kind of known as like a shepherd of wild creatures. I immediately kind of think of uh, like Miyazaki or like like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke. It's like that kind of like protector of wild creatures. Creatures, hmm. and so it's like this little dwarf guy who, you know, he's kind of like their shepherd, and he uh, he's kind of known to like lead like hunters astray, and you know, there's always that hmm. sort of trickster element. Yeah, um, it's kind of like a blend between Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. and uh, who's the guy? Um, yep, lost it. <laughs> Go ahead, Rumpelstiltskin's brother. <clears throat> There's the Mamelu from the Western Visayas. It's a sea serpent as big as a water buffalo, 
that has two white horns and its body stretches to 180 feet long. It has fiery eyes, long teeth, scales, kind of like a dragon, Man. really. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. There's the Manangila or Mananghila from the Bicolano area. It's a, here we go again, it's a hairy humanoid giant uh, with big feet, deep voice, bodies are covered in black hair with quote unquote vicious looking faces. It's fairly harmless and it has, it uses vines that it ties around its waist like a belt that, it, you know, it catches fish and shrimp or small animals and it puts it in those you know, keeps it in their little belt. Now, let me ask you this, because that's now two of these cryptid creatures. Now, I, I just got to say, it sounds like the Philippines kind of has like a high fashion element. <laughs> I mean, it really, it kind of does. You got like a, you know, one guy's got a pointed hat. Yeah. This guy fashions these crazy belts and stuff. Mm-hmm. See? They kind of got it going on over there. Uh, one thing too, is it did kind of remind me of, you know, there are, I mean, it's pretty rare, but there is this like, really kind of obscure cases of like Sasquatch and Bigfoot where, you know, they would see him wearing like a flannel shirt or they'd see him wearing like, like a, you know, like a, like hide over it. So it's like, it is kind of interesting to, to hear that like, I mean, to me, this is just like straight up Bigfoot. The reason I brought this one up is because... Bigfoot with a flannel shirt? I mean, yeah. yeah. Lumberjack Bigfoot? No, 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 they talk... Uh, Timothy Renner talks about it a lot on the Strange Familiars podcast. He's a buddy of ours. And uh, yeah, th- there's a lot more than you would think, which is kind of kind yeah. of fascinating. Um, and the reason I bring up that one in particular is, which this is so cool. And as soon as I read this, I was like, man, this is like, if we can find anything else about this, we this is a whole episode. Apparently in the 1980s, two Menangilaw creatures, a mother and a child, were allegedly captured by soldiers patrolling Mount Isarog. The two beasts were chained to train wagons for 15 days and were fed live chickens. No one really knows what happened to them. It's like the account kind of ends there. If that is true, if that really did happen, they probably ended up, you know, killing them or or whatever. But, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, I think I know what happened. They thought they tied him up, you know, well, during the Could day be. because apparently that's whenever they're the weakest. Mm-hmm. At night, boom, they detached the top half of their bodies after sprouting <laughs> There the wings. you go. Flew over there, attacked these people, took on their form, mm-hmm. and replaced the their previous forms with logs and twigs yep. and a couple of leaves. Boom. Yeah. Escaped out of there. Now they're in America. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I think that's fascinating, though. I uh, anything like in the you know in the eighties, you know, this, these Filipino soldiers like keeping a mother and child Bigfoot chained up is. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. There's the Manta Hungal from the Tagbanua area. It has a cow-like body that's covered with hair. Two pairs of tusk-like incisors. I, it seems to me almost like a saber-toothed tiger type setup. Pretty weird, pretty fascinating though. There's the Anglo, which is a from the Waray region, a large frightful creature that appears to be made of rock and vines. It lives in the dark Nipa swamps and uses his huge... Hard as stone, elbows and knees to break shellfish and clams, which you can apparently hear being broken and smashed in, you know, in the night miles away. Man. Which is I mean, fascinating. Dude, this is just like a complete reminder that there's so much mm-hmm. fascinating lore yeah. around the world, man, and so many different cultures and stuff. It's just so fascinating to me. Yeah, it really is. Now, one thing that I cannot just get my mind off of 
is the belt. You know, you divine no, belt. You talk, well, the the you get these high fashion <laughs> guys, and then and then you get the divine belt, pointy hat, mm-hmm. and the nineteen eighties. Are you telling me that Mick Mars is a dang? Is he a? a Oswald? I mean, I think the whole episode leads leads us to that. Yeah, that's a conclusion that I think mm-hmm. we're all ready to make. Yeah, absolutely. You heard it here for this is an exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always thought the guy looked kind of weird when I was growing up. I'm like, he's just not human. Yeah, one hundred percent. The Pongo, not to be confused with the uh, character from the Hundred One Dalmatians. Immediately when I read this, the name felt familiar to me, and so I did a little research. So apparently. There is this character uh, from the Bicolano area. Again, it's kind of like a Bigfoot. Uh, it's another ape-like creature uh, resembling an orangutan, but like twice as big. You know, looking that up, you come to find that there actually was th- this kind of carried over, which I don't know. I don't know if this informed this particular sort of urban legend or account in Africa or if you know, from Africa, it was informed uh, into the Philippines. But basically, in in Africa, same kind of thing. They, they believe that it was a human-eating, you know, huge, black, twice as big as an orangutan, ape-like creature. But in 1847, it was discovered as a vegetarian, and we now know that today as the gorilla. Boom. So there's a bit of realism injected in there for you. And the last one mm-hmm. is the Timu Timu from the... Loilo area. It is an ape-like ogre that can stretch its mouth so wide that it can swallow a human whole. And the name itself, Timu Timu, means always chewing, which is pretty terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pretty awesome. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I mean, there's hundreds more if you want to go down the rabbit trail, folks, but there's some crazy stuff out there. Yeah, man. I mean, God, it's mind-blowing. Like, I want to Dive into every single one of yeah, these. Yeah, same. First thing I want to say right after that is thank you to everybody that <clears throat> stuck with that everybody. list. Um, <laughs> I want to say that we will definitely be doing a yokai episode. So if you know what yokai is, get excited. If you don't, get even more excited because there's some even wilder characters in that. I, I kind of want to say two things. One... To our international listeners, Mm -hmm. man, if you have any of these type of cryptid creatures that, you know, us as Americans or whatever wouldn't necessarily know about, please send that information to us. Like even if it's just a name of a creature Mm -hmm. or or whatever, and we'll do the rest. But if you have a personal story about it, man, we'd love to hear it for sure. Oh, yeah. And also to our international listeners. Uh, listeners, uh, specifically our you know listeners from the Philippines, we are so sorry because every single name that we've said today has been butchered. Yeah, please, please uh, don't judge us by our terrible <laughs> pronunciation. Once again, thank you so much for listening to our show wherever you are mm-hmm. around the world, whatever time it is that you're listening to our show. Good morning, good evening, mm-hmm. uh, good afternoon. You know, we say it week after week. It just amazes us that not only do we have listeners around mm-hmm. the world, but we have folks that interact with us on a daily basis yeah. and it just it just makes our day every single day and it's so cool to now have made friends with people all around the world who like the same kind of stuff that we do it's just incredible mm-hmm. one thing that i would 
just ask of you, especially if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, is to kind of take the time to drop us a review. That just helps us out tremendously so that more and more people can discover us. Yeah. Yeah, and and even uh, on top of that, if you wouldn't mind, if all of you just told one friend about the podcast, that's yeah. that's huge. Humongous. Yeah. That means our 11 listeners are going to turn into 22 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's exactly how it was when we first started, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Tyler, where is the best place for people to interact with us? Uh, the best place is definitely Instagram, where we have a beautiful little growing community right by the water. We love the interaction, the back and forth <laughs> with each other. Yeah, it's like a little little family uh, over there. If you want to tell us some spooky stories, uh, feel free to DM us if they are more long form. Feel free to shoot us a uh, voice memo at our email, which is that would be radpod at gmail.com. Like Woody was saying, you guys are amazing. Uh, we do it all for you guys. Uh, you guys keep us coming back week after week. It's it's all worth it. And it's not just for posterity so our girls can, uh, well, our kids can listen to, you know, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Feel free to go check out our merch store. We have some awesome stuff. We always have seasonal stuff over there. Right now we have our Camp Rad Strangeness uh, shirts and mugs, and it's really cool. It's great, especially for getting into that sort of old school late 70s, 80s summer camp kind of vibe. Like what he always says, like we always say, you guys are amazing. We hope you're having a great summer. We hope you're enjoying Camper Ad Strangeness. Uh, We'll see you next week. So, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad.
had a death for you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way it goes But there's like these like huge long spaces of like like silence where you're just like and like I can I can like almost hear you just like like rereading oh, yeah, over dude. and over. Bon gone, of like bion, am I saying bion, this wrong? Bound gown. Bound gown. Yeah, there is a boy, there is a lot of these Filipino names are it's uh, no joke, man. Yeah, definitely said wrong. Oh, the, I mean, they're all gonna be wrong mm-hmm. on this episode for sure. Yeah, well, after hearing that damn list of a hundred, I can, I can see where somebody like all they had to be was about forty, forty-one, and they're like, "Look, man, I'm tired." Of, it's called it's an awesome one. <laughs> yeah, that, I <laughs> mean know? that is true. Yeah. Well, what's funny is the uh, the thing that is kind of known as like the Mananangal, which you got it that time. Yeah, I know I did. Of course I did. <laughs> can you just replace that with? <laughs> yeah, every time you're like, and then there was a mananagal. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> um, that's actually even sort of like a separate creature in that list. So, mm-hmm. so maybe this Oswang is kind of like we just wouldn't know that because we're not. Yeah, you know what I mean. Maybe it's like their reference for like a blanket term like evil creature. Yeah, m- maybe that's their term for like we say cryptids. Maybe that's yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I think this episode's going to be. Pretty awesome. Two, man. I'm gonna press stop. And yeah, three, two, one, stop.